Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked On Canadians, the Shane Wright tanking train rolls on, but Carey Price has returned, and it is Monday's three up and three down. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 596 of Locked on Canadians. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online, where Bet Online has you covered this season more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matla, and I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, they have played two games this weekend. Uh, they played decently well for most of them and they somehow still lost both of them so how are we feeling after that we will talk about the bigger news in our second segment but i figured we'd get the bad out of the way first honestly i was very impressed with the way that they played on friday night and for most of saturday night uh they played better defensively than they have in a long time and both uh, i believe it was jake evans and paul byron they both mentioned that uh you know, they had tightened it up defensively in either pregame or postgame comments. Uh, so I was happy to see that part. Obviously, the results uh, aren't what you would want unless you're tanking, obviously. The game against the Washington Capitals, they allowed a lot of goals. But if you look at the bulk of that game, they were in fact dominating and they were playing well defensively. It's just that they did fall apart later. So I think the challenge for them going forward is to put together all aspects of their game consistently, right? When you lack that talent that people always, uh, they always say that that's the reason that the Canadians aren't doing well. That's fair. You do lack that talent. So I feel like we're back in a situation where the Canadians are good at one thing at a time. They're either good in the neutral, they're good in the offensive, or they're good in the defensive. And that comes with teams that are, you know, younger, growing, not fully filled out yet. I I, I want to say not fully filled out yet because I don't want to keep calling them untalented, right? I they, They're working hard. Martin St. Louis is doing what he can. The coaching staff is doing what they can. All the players are doing what they can. They're, they're just not capable of much more than what we're seeing right now. And that's okay. Like the lineup just needs to be filled out a lot better. And, um, you know, I can't complain too, too much. It's not ideal to allow eight goals. Uh, that's not, that's not fun. Uh, and the, you know, it, it, it's not necessarily a fun game to watch if you're at the bell center. Although one of our listeners did make it out all the way from Vancouver and had a great time on Saturday night anyway. So shout out, but yeah, all of this to say is that, the Canadians need to be better in all their zones and in net and, 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 and that's going to come as they, as they add the players that are going to be this team's core in the future. Yeah. And I, I look at the way, especially the game against the Islanders where it's like, they did about everything they could have done properly. And they got goalie. Ilya Sorokin was incredible in that game. You don't make a 44 save shutout without being incredible in net there. And I look at that, and, it's, and that's the effort you want, even if you don't win. And against the Capitals, they came out strong. It's just the Capitals have 
deeper, more talented lines. And I don't think that's a hot take or anything to say that. And then there's always so much you can do when your own mental errors are what's leading to goals against. And then three up, three down, I'll, I'll touch on the pairing that I have my issues with. But I saw more things from a lot of people this weekend that we would want to. Yol Armia looked really good across the games. I saw Ryan Paling had two goals against Washington. Even Mike Hoffman had a really good-looking weekend across the board. And then sometimes it just it's not on the cards for you to do that. I think that's okay. And I know it's tough because you can tell Martin St. Louis is a little bit frustrated because he's getting good efforts out of the team, and it's just not coming off the way that he would hope it would. And at the same time, with Carey Price back, it's like he never left because it's the same thing all over again. And this upcoming week, they have the Minnesota Wild, they have the Philadelphia Flyers, and they have the Ottawa Senators. The Wild are an extremely dangerous team. We know this. We saw that earlier this year that I think they're going to have to get up and to even keep that one competitive. But games against the Flyers and the Senators, if this team is frustrated, if this team is angry at the way the results have gone, even when they've played well right now, there are two teams for you to take it out on it right there because as bad as the Habs have been, the Flyers have been an abject disaster since like December and that's an opportunity for you to kind of, you know, get your frustrations out. The Senators, Brendan Gallagher doesn't like Tim Stutzla. They don't like the Senators. Go and take it out on them. And then you're likely going to lose the rest of the games from the season after that because it's all like playoff teams, basically. You have the Panthers and you have the Rangers and you have obviously the Wild. And I there's another team thrown the in there Bruins. that I'm forgetting. Oh, yeah, the Bruins. I'm going oh. to that game. <laughs> oh, Lord. It's going to be dumb. It, it, it's yeah. the perfect recipe for it to be super dumb, which by that, I mean, Brad Marchand, but like the opportunity. I'm there also, to, no, go ahead. <laughs> go I was ahead. Gonna say, I'm also going with a friend who I know to be super, super chill in general, but she's a Bruins fan. So I'm not sure how that's going to go. So I specifically went out and bought Canadians merchandise to wear to the game because I didn't want to be mistaken for a Bruins fan while in the arena. <laughs> And that's the thing is Laura is smart. Uh, I, I it, It's going to be a tough stretch to end the season. Guys are going to be, I, I am afraid to see kind of what some of the injury reports going to look like um, just because the Lord knows what people are playing through, even if it's minor right now, which my first thought with this is, why are you playing through anything in a season like this at all? But uh, Nick Suzuki will not go down for absolutely any injury whatsoever because he's Nick Suzuki and we love him. So, uh, I think that's the last point I actually wanted to make is Nick Suzuki destroyed a camera on Saturday night. And I thought that was super fun and super dope. So like, I can't remember the last time I've seen a Canadians player destroy a piece of uh, NHL equipment <laughs> with a shot before. He was so intense about it too. And this is the thing, like people have been talking about, he might be playing through an injury for some time. It looks like he's a little bit off. But the thing is, the things he's doing on the ice, he's still Nick Suzuki, right? And he obviously, he's the kind of guy that gets a little bit motivated and a little bit more intense when he's mad. And, you know, at that point, I believe the game was 7-3, if I'm not mistaken, or 6-3. It was, it was, it was quite out of reach for the Canadians. And I, I think it was 7-3. And he scored a goal. He didn't even celebrate. He was just like, I'm going to score my 20th goal of the season and that's it. And then somebody made the point in our mentions on Twitter that like, if, if, you know, if making him mad motivates him, then why wasn't he lighting the lamp all night long? And I was like, 
he's not the only player on the ice, right? Like, it's all well and good to have a Nick Suzuki and a Cole Caulfield and even a Carey Price, which we'll talk about in the next segment. But you need lots of other people, too. And that's the thing is they need the team to fill out. We've talked about it. I don't know how many times now. But one part they might not have to worry about going forward in net as the prodigal son, Carey Price, has returned to the lineup. And we're going to talk about that coming up next. But first, our next partner is a product that I've been using a lot lately. Uh, it's Athletic Greens. And it's such a good product because I don't always have time for vitamins and breakfast and all this other stuff to help my immune system and my gut health in the morning. And Athletic Greens makes that so easy. I blend it up into a smoothie, have it on my way to work in the morning. It's perfect. And with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. It's super easy to use. You get the, you get your package. You put it together. My girlfriend uses it in the morning. I use it in the morning. And it's it's so important to have your multivitamins. Tons of people take some kind in the morning, whether it be the pill. And it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb so you're not just getting rid of them after you take that. And Athletic Greens is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing that you can do every single day to take care of yourself. And your subscription to Athletic Greens comes with a year supply of vitamin D, which is important to add in as we come to the end of winter and uh, early spring where we don't get nearly as much sunlight. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills or supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, so it finally happened, and Friday night, or Good Friday, was uh, quite an emotional day. Obviously, playing the Islanders on the day that Mike Bossy tragically passed away from lung cancer coincided with the return of Carey Price to the Montreal Canadiens lineup. And I, Julian McKenzie asked us on Twitter, what's the loudest you've heard the Bell Center? The chance for Carey Price as he came back on the ice in the introduction and everything else are definitely up there. Like I've talked about Game 3, P.K. Subban, Breakaway, Saku Koivu returns from cancer, uh, any of the big playoff goals and other stuff, but... That's got to be a top five moment at the Bell Center. Carey Price having his name cheered for time on end. He made a simple save and the building erupted like he'd been gone for years and years. And I know there's, what, six games left now in the season. I hope that's the right amount. It's so good to see 31 back between the pipes again. Like, it feels like a warm blanket. Like, something was missing and now he's back and he's returned and... It meant a lot for his teammates. It meant a lot for him. It meant a lot. Um, obviously, Angela Price and the, his kids were there in the front row. Even Alex Ovechkin on Saturday, you know, was giving Carey Price, you know, a, a salute to return there. It means a lot to people around the league. And I think it kind of speaks to the stature of the man and the pads and the net there and how important Carey Price is not only to the Montreal Canadiens, but like the fabric of hockey. I agree. I Obviously, 
you know me, I'm all about the, the hockey feelings. So it was a very emotional return. It was really good to see him back. But I think more importantly, it was really good to see the team receiving him back. With, sorry, the fans receiving him back with so much love. I mean, you could tell the team loved having him around when he started traveling with them and doing more practices with them and things like that. You could tell, especially the younger guys were excited to have him around. Um, and I definitely think that it, it does signify a little bit more of a return to normalcy in a season that has been anything but normal. I do think that one of the things that Carey Price said after uh, the game, he was like, those cheers, it made me feel wanted. He hesitated for a bit and he used the word wanted. And I thought about that because I thought about the reason initially why he didn't start practicing with the team was that he checked himself into the uh, player uh, assistance program. And we talked a lot about how, you know, they wanted to tell people what was going on, he and his wife and his family, because they wanted to make it clear that when you're in a situation like that, you need to ask for help and it's okay to ask for help. And if somebody at the pinnacle of their career with that kind of fortune and, and you know, fame and things like that uh, can still have these issues, you, you know, you, you also need to know that you're not alone and you need to ask for help. And then when he came back, I mean, and he didn't talk about that part of it when he was talking initially about the cheers. But in my mind, the fact that he was received back with such love is so important that like you can see that there's not, not only is there nothing wrong with asking for help, but you can get back to where you used to be when things were good, right? And I think that that's really important. Like nobody thinks that Carey Price coming back is going to save a season or anything like that. It's, But the fact that the, tea, the, the, the fans had the patience with him to do what he needed to do to recover and to come back and just, you know, they were just like, happy to see him. And it just, it makes me feel so good for the message that that sends. And I think that's it is that that's a point that I hadn't even thought about because it's, he's been away from the team for so long is that I forgot the initial reason he wasn't practicing is that he had entered player assistance and I had completely forgotten about that. And we don't know what the reasoning is. We may never know. It's not our business to ever know. And to say that he felt wanted, I think is a very big thing here. We know he puts a lot of pressure on himself to be, the guy to be the best, to be the man for the Montreal Canadiens. And he, that's a lot to put on any normal person, let alone an athlete playing in one of the biggest cities for hockey in the world. And his return, it, it was actually kind of poetic is that on a night where Carey Price returned, Ilya Sorokin did the Carey Price impression <laughs> and Carey Price had immediately had to face down a three on O where the game winning goal was scored. And I, I'm only going to spend two seconds on this because I, we talked about it on Game Over is that of the three goals the Islanders scored, there was a three on O where he still almost got across where he, if he had saved that Zach Parise goal, I think the Bell Center would have exploded. And then a perfect shot from Noah Dobson where it's like up over his shoulder post and in. And it's early. It's like, I don't think Carey Price looked too rusty. He's obviously working through game speed, which is a lot different than practice and all this other stuff. But there was nothing that made me go, oh, he's coming back too soon here. And I'm I'm hoping down the stretch he's able to get some games in so he's not going into the offseason kind of rusty and he's ready to go. And then it's another very long offseason. The, the team's going to clear cap space around because I think that the plan is they're keeping Carey Price here until he says otherwise, whatever that may mean. I, I'm so glad to see 31 back. I know the Bell Center is too. It's been a garbage 
garbage year of hockey. And this is, it's a a very, it's a feel good story is that, yeah, they're going to finish 31st or 30th or whatever, but Hey, Carrie price is back. Like, how do you not feel romantic about having your superstar goalie, your, your 15 year franchise pillar back in the organization? Absolutely. And I just, I'm so glad that the fans weren't crappy about it. I think that if you were crappy about Carey Price returning to the lineup, that I, that you really need to reassess where your priorities are at in hockey here. This is not a tanking thing. This is not a drafting thing. This is a, this is a human being who lives and breathes for this organization and has for the better part of almost 20 years at this point. If you can't be happy that he, went through player assistance to get himself mentally and physically right, battled through what seems like a pretty serious injury to be able to get back to his teammates, even in a very crappy garbage season, it says a lot more about you. A lot of players would have looked at the way the season was going and he would have been like, nope, I'm just going to go work out and be ready for next season. Don't worry about me. Carey Price wanted to be back because he wanted to be a part of this team. As bad as this season is, that's because Carey Price is the Montreal Canadiens, and the Montreal Canadiens are part of Carey Price. I if, like if you can't understand that, I don't know what to tell you. Um, I don't want to be a jerk about it because everyone's entitled to their own opinion. I'm just going to say that if you can't be happy that Carey Price is back, you're in the wrong line right now. So um, it is Monday. That means three up and three down is coming up in one moment. But first, as I said, today's show is brought to you by BetOnline.net, and they're your number one source for all your stats and betting info. And you can get all the developments across every major league with the NBA playoffs starting, Major League Baseball's in full swing, and the NHL playoffs are just right around the corner. And they are your continued source for all your sports wagering info with live betting in the playoffs, esports, and more. So head to BetOnline.net today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet online where the game starts. And also one of our sponsors is one of our favorite ones. It is a built bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They are covered in 100% real authentic chocolate. They are low calorie, low sugar, low carbs, high in protein, everything you want in a protein bar without that weird, nasty whey chalky taste. And if you love built bar and you've tried it before, there are built puffs as well. The first ever protein infused marshmallow And there are flavors for everyone. You can get things like mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, white chocolate cookies and cream, cherry, barcia, everything. There is something for everyone with Built Bar. And if you go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, you're going to get 15% off your order. Make sure you use that promo code. Check out Built Bar. They are constantly adding new flavors, new variety packs, and everything. And that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, so we are back. It is three up and three down on Monday here. And I'm going to launch right into this one right now because two of my down come on the same thing, and they are David Savard and Alexander Romanov, which I feel like there's been a lot talked about David Savard this year and a lot that's talked about Alexander Romanov, and they've had good moments and they've had bad moments. And in the last two games, ever since uh, Ian Poivre pointed it out to me and Andrew pointed it out to me on Game Over, that pairing does not work. For whatever reason, it doesn't work. I get wanting a defensive guy with a more mobile defenseman like Alexander Romanov, 
It doesn't work. They constantly are caught out of position. And against the Capitals, they were on ice for, I think, like six of the eight goals the Capitals scored, which is heinous, to be quite honest with you. I, I, I feel bad because David Savard is playing a role he probably shouldn't be. But at the same time, if this season is about development, they got to figure out a way to get Alexander Romanov in a role that actually helps him develop. Because right now he's out there just getting put in a spin cycle every shift. And it's not what you want to see. Like Petrie and Edmondson have been working fine. But Romanov and David Savard, it just it doesn't work. It does not work. And it's one of the few things that I'm shocked Martin saying that we hasn't gone away from yet. I wonder if it's just a matter of who else is there right now, because the thing is we've talked about the strengths and weaknesses of Romanov over time as he's joined the team. And we've talked a lot about David Savard. We haven't had much to say about his strengths, to be honest, although I do feel that he was under Ducharme better than we thought he was. If you look at the underlying numbers, they both have strengths and weaknesses, but it looks like when you put them together, all that comes out are the weaknesses and you kind of have to split that up. I, I do think that the Canadians need to be a lot more communicative on defense. I think that's important. And the, the thing that's interesting is that the team defense got better over the last two games, like as a whole, they're doing better. But when you look at the mistakes they're coming a lot from that pairing, right? And you can't afford to do that. Like you make three mistakes in a game, that's three goals allowed, or at least three quality scoring chances allowed. They're not making three mistakes a game. They're making lots of mistakes a game. And so I just think that you need to split it up. And, and the thing is, like, if it was the beginning of the season, yes, I do feel like he would be switching it up. He'd be switching up the pairings like like night in and night out to find one that worked or to find pairings that would highlight both of their, their strengths. But there's only six games left in the season. You don't have all that much to lose or gain by winning or losing games, right? Like the Canadians are almost locked into they're, – they're definitely locked into a lottery position. They're almost locked into uh, 31st overall sorry 32nd it's it goes up and down depending on how many games they lose but at this point like i i just i feel like that's something that we shouldn't be seeing next year is the way that i'm going to be putting it whether it's through trade or changing up the pairings or adding in people that'll bring the best in both of them i don't like that pairing at all that was also my two downs I look at it this way and I go, I get that, that why they're rotating Jordan Harris through so we can learn and observe the NHL level. But my thought is ride Jordan Harris down the stretch here. You know, it couldn't hurt and get him ready for next year. He's already burning a year of his contract anyways. I would rather see Jordan Harris out there learning than seeing Savard and Romanov struggling a little bit. And I'm not saying to scratch Romanov or scratch David Savard, but I'm just saying you find a way to either – change the role for those two guys and you bring Jordan Harrison and let him play a little bit more. I don't think there's an issue. I don't think I'm totally out of line by saying that. Um, my other down, I, so my whole thing with this is I love Josh Anderson. I do. Uh, his whole thing with Tom Wilson was very weird on Saturday night in that one Tom Wilson was doing Tom Wilson things. He punched Joel Edmondson in the back of the head when he was on the ground and he's just being a loudmouth, brash trash can. Anderson, I get, wants to stick up for his teammates. But at a certain point, you either got to go for it or you just got to let him be stupid and temper tantrum himself out here because it takes away from the game a little bit. If you're distracted on just doing that, you're not playing your most effectiveness. 
our most effective uh, potential. And I loved Anderson. I do. I love watching him, you know, take on all comers and challenges, but at a certain point, either do the thing or focus on what you're good at, which is scoring goals and being the power horse and stuff. So I, <laughs> I, 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 I don't mind him doing it, but like actually go full send on that. Don't, don't kind of half send it and try to make him mad because if you make him mad, he's just going to take it out on somebody else. So this is interesting because I feel like this is the first time that we're going to have the same player for an up and a down. Um, because <laughs> here's the thing with Josh Anderson. He said after the game, he said two things that I thought were quite contradictory. He said that he thought it was his responsibility to keep Tom Wilson off his teammates, which to be honest, as a forward on the first line, I don't necessarily think that it should be. You are physical, you're large, you can hit. And I understand that the why that why you can see that, but it did feel to me that he felt his role was to protect the other two on the line, kind of like your your buddy's tweet there, um, that Josh Anderson thought that his job is the more skilled teammates are on the ice and he's going to protect them and he's going to get in the face of anybody who tries to, to start things with them, which I understand. Uh, but then he said, but I shouldn't have lost my temper and gotten the penalty like that. And I'm like, how do you square those two together? Because you're dealing with Tom Wilson. You're not dealing with removing a guy from a scrum and pushing him aside. You're dealing with Tom Wilson, who's not going to shut up even after he's goaded you into taking the penalty. So that was a little bit immature on his part. So that is a down for me because I think Josh Anderson should not have fallen for that. He, like, he's not new here. You know what I mean? Like, this is not the first time anyone sees Tom Wilson anywhere. You know what he's about. You know he's garbage. You do not, like, lower yourself to that to that standard because more often than not, you're the one who's going to get penalized because Tom Wilson knows exactly what he's doing, exactly what he's doing. And I hate when people defend him because he knows exactly what line not to cross in order to do maximum damage but not get into any kind of trouble for it. I did think it was funny that they were jawing at each other before the third period and Carey Price was sitting in the middle, like looking between them, kind of like watching tennis. Um, but that's neither here nor there. But on the flip side, Josh Anderson is also on my up list this week because I think he, other than that Tom Wilson stuff in the last few games, he's been playing really, really well. He's realized that the other two on the line are much better at scoring. So instead, he's playing the body and getting other people out of their way, which I really like. It hasn't necessarily resulted in goals or points, really, from uh, Caulfield and Nick Suzuki, but he's bringing physicality to the skill line while still having enough speed and skill to kind of be an offensive... Uh, not threat, but, you know, an offensive factor. How about factor? I think that's a better word. So I have loved his play other than falling for Tom Wilson's garbage. Uh, and surprisingly on my up list is someone that we've had on the down list for several weeks in a row. Uh, Mike Hoffman's on my up list this week in that I thought against the Islanders, he played an incredible game. And obviously no one got any points in that one. But I thought Mike Hoffman played incredibly well. And against the Capitals, I thought he had a pretty good overall game. His setup to Jeff Petrie, who set up Ryan Paling's goal, was phenomenal. And I thought Mike Hoffman, it, like, I will eat crow when he plays well. And I thought he did in that game. I don't think he's a long-term fit, but I'm I would be being rude to him as a person and unfair if I didn't point out that he did a really good job playing in those two games there. And hopefully... He can kind of keep that going down the stretch and in the same realm uh, going down to the AHL here because that's my bread and butter here. 
Yesi uh, Alonen is on my up list. He's been incredible for the. He's been incredible for the Rocket. He scored uh, what was the game-winning goal until like the final thirty seconds against Cleveland on Saturday to get the Rocket a much-needed win. He's going to be an NHLer next year. Like Rafael Harvey Pinard and JS Day have been kind of quieter this uh, weekend. And Yelonen has picked up the slack for that. He's quick on his edges. He's quick in a straight line. He's got hands for days and he's got a wicked shot. I can't see how he isn't in the lineup next year. There's too much talent to deny that right now. And he's going to be a big, big part of this Rocket team uh, as they get into the Calder Cup playoffs here. I do want to say that, uh, echo that, but also my other third up goes to Christian Vorak, who has, Ooh. he was disappointing under Ducharme, not necessarily because he and Josh Anderson and Jonathan Duran found some chemistry at the beginning. They were kind of the only thing that was working for the first like eight or nine games. Um, he has had an injury riddled season, which has been rough on him as well. But under Martin St. Louis, we're seeing what I think Mark Bergevin saw when he traded for Dvorak. I think, I think that was the idea. So I feel like I'm less eh on that on that trade. Uh, I do think that I like him on this lineup. If they don't have a better option for second center, I think it'll be fine as long as they fill up the wings as well with people who work with him because I did like what I've seen from him uh, over the last couple of games since he's been back in the lineup. I think Martin San Luis is doing a really good job. Or maybe not individually with him. I don't know if he's been working with him individually specifically, but the way that Martin San Luis has the team playing is suiting his game. I'm, I'm happy with his game. So that is my third up. Um, Scott, do we have any news on, on uh, Sammy Niku? Yet. Uh, nothing yet. Uh, there is bad news for the Rocket that Lucas Videmo left the game on Saturday. Uh, it was In on crutches. crutches after the game afterwards. Um, the good news is that Cedric Paquette did return to the lineup after being out with a minor injury. Brandon Jiniak just had the flu, I believe, non-COVID illness. And there's likely to be other pieces added. And Lucas Condotta has been a healthy scratch despite playing well. Uh, the rocket will be okay. It just sucks for Videmo, who has come back, been a very good penalty killer for them. And it's just the nature of the end of the season when every game is physical and nasty and everything else. So, uh, as more news comes along, I will pass that along, but that is going to wrap up our episode. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can subscribe on YouTube. Please keep subscribing. We love all 530 plus of you that have subscribed at the last time I checked. You can follow Laura at The Active Stick. You can follow myself at Scott Metla. And you were done listening to us. Go check out Locked On Fantasy Hockey. They have all the info you need to dominate the end of your fantasy hockey season and win that title. We will see you all next time.